0: This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They act as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that grow your business. For a free workshop, email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com. Now here's your host, Pat Whelan. This week on the show, I speak with Susan Richards of Number Crunch. She takes us through her journey from a C-level executive to becoming an entrepreneur. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hi, my name is Susan Richards. I'm the co-founder of Number Crunch and Giveopoly, and I'm so thrilled to be on the Ottawa Entrepreneurs podcast today.
0: Welcome to the show, Susan. Thanks for taking the time to sit down with me.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Um, for our listeners that may not know who you are or the two companies mm-hmm. that you own and run, can you walk us through that, please?
1: Sure. Well, my name is Susan Richards. Um, and a uh, co-founder of two organizations. So the first one that I launched uh, was in 2012. It's called Givopoly, And it's an online marketplace for gift delivery. And uh, the second business was incorporated in 2014, but really we started hiring people in 2015. So we're in our third year. And that's called Number Crunch. And um, the premise behind it is uh, to help startups and ambitious um, uh, small businesses that um, have that founder team. Uh, it's been said that you ha- need a, a hipster, a hacker, and a hustler. <laughs> and uh, I've often said, yeah, where's the number cruncher in that? So here we are. Um, nice. And that was an essentially an extension of my um, accounting background. So I've been, um, I'm a CPA, uh, I went through the CMA program and um, been doing uh, virtual CFO work for a number of years. So number crunch was really just an extension of that service offering.
0: So when you were being the virtual CFO, did you see the need for Number Crunch? Is that how it came about, or, or did you get requests? Like I'm curious as to how Number Crunch came about.
1: Excellent question. Um, I did see the need. Um, what was happening was I was often being called into a company, and they were looking for some strategic guidance, but it quickly led to projects. And the projects would require me to, to roll up my sleeves, um, often cleaning up bookkeeping, um, generating some reports and analytics and I realized I could do that more, I could offer more cost-effective value to the client if I had a team around me, Um, and my co-founder, so I had worked with a a guy, Craig Hung is his name, um, and he was an employee of mine when I was full-time employed as a CFO, and actually I moved to another company and hired him again, and so we had worked together really well, Um, and I talked to him about the idea of uh, forming Number Crunch um, because I felt like the two of us together had that right um, uh, combination to be able to um, execute on that. So we, we did, that, that's exactly nice. what it is. So it allows us to cost effectively help more companies. Um, sometimes with the CFO stuff, they only need to talk to me um, a couple of times a year perhaps, and by having the bookkeeping and the reporting um, done in-house, I have easy access, so I'm a lot, it's a lot easier for me to be able to provide value on an odd hack. Basis. So, yeah.
0: so when, so when you started this, was it just you and your partner basically doing, uh, doing the strategy and the tactical work for your clients, or did you right away bring additional staff on board to help with that, or kind of take us through the, the growth of the business?
1: For sure. So, in 2012, when GiveOpal was started, I started doing virtual CFO work. And quickly thereafter, uh, Craig left full-time work, started doing virtual controller working. So for, from 2012 to the end of 2014, we were basically doing contractor work as we also did GiveApli. By the way, he's the co-founder of GiveApli as, as well. <laughs> so I just had, I happened to have that moment where like, okay, I, I think I, I wanna do something not full-time. Um, I wanna have that uh, freedom to be able to do more of what I wanna do. Um, And so Number Crunch or Gavapoli was a little bit of a creative outlet. I think I had a a build up inside me that I was helping companies, um, helping other people's visions um, and executing on those. And I I wanted to go on my own. I've grown up in an entrepreneurial family, and I had many, many business ideas over the years. Some are pretty funny. Um, But this was the first one that I thought was scalable, that was not going to be dependent on just me. Um, so that's uh, essentially the, the premise behind GiveUply And number crunch at that point was, um, it's a service base. It was con- like consulting work type thing. And um, continuously we were noticing that we needed extra hands. Um, we kept saying, well, if we wish we had um, people uh, to be able to do this. We were working with our client staff. Um, but change is hard for people. So when we parachute in and we invoke all this change, we're putting a lot of stress on the existing staff members. And uh, so it just uh, organically formed as like, well, why don't we hire our own people? They'll know how to do things the way we uh, do things. So we'll be able to parachute in. I think at first I probably thought it was to make um, more cost-effective project execution. Um, but very quickly it morphed. I think Mm. before we actually hired, it, I realized, well, wait a sec, we can handle the the full um, bookkeeping side of it. And as I started talking to entrepreneurs about it, and I started recanting in my own experience all the companies I'd worked for and the issues they had had with their internal accounting teams over the years, I realized at that small business stage, um, what entrepreneurs need is really multiple people so they need somebody they can talk about the business strategy with and they want some guidance on pricing financing how they're going to get the cash what about structure that sort of thing Um, and then they also need their books to be kept they need cash flow management Uh, they may need some reporting and they think they can get that from one person so they would hire a bookkeeper and then be gravely disappointed when it's uh, two different that, skill sets, it's exactly right. and right. arguably three different skill sets. So yeah, good point. The, the the bookkeeper you want someone who's really uh, dedicated, happy in repetitive transactions, really reliable. Your controller you need someone analytical, very good with pulling information really efficiently. And then you need on the the top end, uh, you need that strategy piece, that bigger picture conversation and really I imagine some people can probably do all three at one point in my career I probably would have argued that I could do all three uh, now I'm probably the worst bookkeeper around like, you <laughs> do not want me touching your books so um, I think optimally it's it's three people so that's what we give a business so for the price of a bookkeeper we give you three people we give a slice of it so it's good stretching of your corporate dollars
0: is that a struggle to convince the small business owner that he or she needs? those three levels? I, I would imagine it would be.
1: So what's interesting about it, so our, our business, um, I've always been in tech um, so my whole career has been in the tech sector in Ottawa and it's a very sophisticated market here, especially in SaaS now, the SaaS business model, which is a software as a service for anybody who's not familiar with it. Um, businesses are launching daily and, and they're launching with uh, a sophisticated mindset where they need angel investment right away. They're thinking about VC investment within the first couple of years of business. So they're initially, um, it's very common to seek out a CFO. Um, but uh, so essentially a lot of the in calls are coming from a request for a CFO but when I have a fuller discussion with them they also need the bookkeeping and the controller we need to wrap a solution so it's much easier to sell that because they realize oh I can get you for a lot uh, less cost than I maybe thought of Um, as opposed to a business that's seeking out a bookkeeper it's harder to upsell So if um, essentially, if a company just thinks they need a bookkeeper and is is content that that's all they need, then there's lots of great bookkeepers uh, out there that they can give a call to. Um, So what we are is that hybrid. And and what we did um, was unique in the um, industry. When I I served on the board of uh, CMA Ontario in uh, 2005 to 2008, um, and I realized that um, I had always lived in a world where bookkeepers and accountants just blended easily, um, but I became aware that uh, accountants just, you know, it's really important to maintain that prestige. Um, and um, so uh, accountants were, are concerned about being considered bookkeepers, uh, and bookkeepers don't necessarily want to be affiliated with accountants either. So <laughs> they, they just want to do the work. They, yeah, that's right. right so right. They, they lived in very separate worlds, um, but at the end of the day, entrepreneurs don't necessarily know what they need. They don't need to know what they need. They need both. Uh, every business actually needs both, so we put both under one roof to be able to take care of that um, day-to-day.
0: So is there is there an ideal client for you then? In terms yeah. of like, is a number of employees, revenue, um, anything, anything that you're, I'm not asking you to share anything confidential, but no. is there, is, is there a, an ideal fit for you?
1: Yeah, I think, um, so a, a startup that has a few employees, so they've gotten so far with their business to the point where they're committed enough that they're starting to build their team. Um, so three to five employees um, in our bullseye is the SaaS business model. Uh, We can really, I mean, first of all, SaaS business models, uh, they know that business, so they're used to paperless and and, uh, leveraging technology. We leverage all the latest accounting technology. Uh, I like to tell everybody that I'm uh, allergic to paper. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a a paperless office, and so it's really easy sell. There's no selling, essentially, Um, and we leverage things like Google Drive to be able to flow documentation between us and the client. Um, And then making sure that they're ambitious. Um, So we're, it's a bit like paying for a roof, like we're back end support really to the business. So we can give you all the guidance you want, but really executing on your sales is, is that sales and marketing um, side of your business. So at Those early stages, you just need to make sure you have a good foundation. You have a roof over your head, Mm -hmm. but you don't need fancy um, at that stage. So we're just trying to give prop you up with enough, um, and you need to have enough need there for us to be able to prove the value. Um, So I'd say you know a a need that um, where you have, uh, you can think of a few examples throughout the year when you're going to need to tap into CFO expertise that's probably an entrepreneur that's a a good fit for us.
0: Do you run into anyone that wants to, that thinks they can just do it themselves? And the reason why I ask is, you and I run very similar businesses. So I run, as you know, a marketing agency that basically acts as a virtual marketing department, but a lot of people think they can do their own marketing. But I find that when it comes to legal advice or financial advice, they tend to go, oh, gee, I better bring in somebody. Is that, is that, that a fair comment That is
1: absolutely fair. Okay. Yeah, I, I sympathize uh, with your position because everybody seems to think they can do their own marketing. Um, finance side, they do recognize that they have... Actually, people, I think, have the opposite effect. They uh, People would self-assess themselves at a low rating as far as financial literacy goes. They tend to think they don't know that area. So if it's... Uh, they do think they have their bookkeeping covered, though. So um, usually when someone says, oh, my books are clean, you're not going to have a problem there. Because I say, let me take a look under your hood. It doesn't take long, I bet. And, yeah. And yeah. I, I, for a couple of years there, I was saying, you know, everybody's books are a mess. Now I've seen some great, pristine um, accounts. So I can't say everybody's book's a mess, but it's the norm that uh that things are a bit of shambles it's not a regulated profession so a lot of people start uh their own entrepreneurial endeavors by starting to do somebody's books they did the uh treasure at the school council or something like that they've done one okay let me put my shingle out so you get a lot of variety and and not necessarily great quality out there um, if it's not reviewed Um, and so that's the piece that we make sure that uh, the work is actually reviewed and and quality is good
0: so so when you started were you were you doing everything were you like you didn't have employees right away you you were the person going in and providing the the cfo the accounting and the bookkeeping services or take us through that
1: no we launched fairly sophisticatedly um because we had already been doing the virtual i was doing virtual cfo i knew the um the, reason, the whole re, uh, reason to offer the bookkeeping services was was by using bookkeepers. So um, we hired people in the right positions um, in that company. Givopoly is an entirely different story. Okay. So in the early days of Givopoly, I did everything. So the business got launched uh, while I was still full-time employed. Um, when the kids would get to bed, that's when I'd start reaching out to businesses. So emails going out. Uh, before we launched the business, I was on Twitter, um creating a following and and so I was definitely uh doing all things there um and you know early on it's kind of fun to do that and you can kind of become a jack of all trades but as time went on I I became more aware of my um my skill gaps (laughs) 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 uh
0: so not jack of all trades Did, did, did did you find that tough you know, so I still I, find that tough. Yeah, yeah. that is a this daily is a, challenge. This is a common thread yeah. on the podcast, mm-hmm. Susan. Is that uh, I'll ask that question, and I haven't had any any guest yet that'll say to me, "Oh yeah, I knew my gaps." But it, it, no, you know, it took me like had yeah. to be I had to get a, knocked around a bit before I could finally Absolutely. admit, you know, and, okay, I may not be so great at this. Do you think that's part of? Uh, I, it's it's interesting to me. Is it because, do you think we're wired that way, that we can just do it all, and and that's part of the the wiring that makes for a successful entrepreneur, but on the other hand, may hold us back? Absolutely,
1: I think all of that. Um, I think there's a human dimension that plays a role, so you can intellectually know what to do, but still not be great at executing, and lots of businesses are like that. Great idea, but they fail on the execution, and I tend to believe a great execution will actually uh, surpass the capability of a poor idea. I agree. Um, and and that's uh, th- so. It's hard to take my own medicine in that regard, right? I have an idea. I think I can do it. I know how to. D- I know how to explain it to people. Um, and often I explain it as if it is because I've been thinking about it so long. My brain is is. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like that, where you're 10 steps ahead. It's 24 7. It's so 24 it, yeah. 7. And my reality in my head is very different than if you were to follow me around with a video camera. I, I think there's a difference there. And so that's what I become aware of as time goes on, where you have uh, these failures, um, where I've, you know, learning to d- define a failure is something that I feel really bad about. that <laughs> Because sometimes. Um, Well, it's hard to detect them even. I don't know, this is an interesting process. Having the two businesses really, um, well, even two businesses and the fact that one of them provides these uh, support services to to entrepreneurs. I've worked with so many CEOs over the years that um, it becomes, you're like a co-pilot, you're um, a sounding board for a lot of their ideas, and it's much easier to critique somebody else's idea than it is to generate your own idea and to make a decision to execute it and be willing to, to take all the hits because it, most decisions are not a sure thing, so I have a huge level of uh, respect now for CEOs and, and But
0: you're you're really in an interesting business in that not only are you providing a great service to entrepreneurs but you're 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 also learning I would assume with uh-huh. every engagement Absolutely. right you can then take can you take those lessons Susan and apply them to your own business.
1: Yes, definitely, um, and I i mean, that's a huge value that I can provide to uh, business owners when they're talking to me, they're talking to somebody who has 50 clients um, and has seen a hundred businesses from the inside out, um, and so I see, inc- I, I'm learning, uh, I've not been a judgmental type person, I'm, I'm one to listen to the idea and test it for its own merit, but I'm getting to the stage in my career where I realize, no, what I need to do is actually uh, take a position, form a judgment, and give that feedback um, so that I'm able to share that. Because it, I, in the past, I think I tended to go, I would play those uh, failures that another business had with that same idea, but I didn't want to put project that failure on that conversation because it's a different person, you just never know. Um, so I'm constantly kind of calibrating that. Mm. Um, and, and there's a lot of, like a lot of it um, in the type of activity I'm doing is maybe around fundraising, because um, a lot of businesses are looking to raise money. And, and there's some methodology, um, lots of you know, what your metrics should look like, how you can prepare, mm-hmm. all of that. But at the end of the day, depending on who's giving you the money, if they're just drinking your Kool-Aid, and they like you, and they want to be around you, uh, there's a good da- chance that uh, you can close that deal. Uh, in spite of your <laughs> poor <laughs> financial acumen and, right. and all that so it's interesting yeah so
0: i, I want to go back to gibopoli right yeah, okay. so you're working full time mm-hmm. you're doing this on the, and and the reason why i want to uh, address this is that i know a lot of our listeners that's their life right now Yes. right that they're they're trying to this side hustle they're trying to make it into something yes. full time so Did you, did Giveopoly eventually get to the point where you said, you know what, I can give up my day job and do that, or or was it more number crunch? It's fascinating to me that you started one, and I I just want our listeners to understand, and I want to understand exactly what that process was for you.
1: Yeah, sure. So I start, so Giveopoly was not at a stage where it could pay bills. So it wasn't like, oh, I've grown it to the base um, that now I can give up my full-time job and just do that. Um, It was more that it was at the stage where it was um, taking over my um, creative mind. So my shower moments, my driving in the car, it was occupying all those uh, thoughts, not my full-time career. So it just felt like it was time for a shift.
0: This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. Extension Marketing acts as your virtual marketing department,
1: designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies to grow your business. Email them at
0: workshop at extensionmarketing.com to procure free one-hour marketing consultation to grow your business.
1: I wasn't convinced I was going to do it full-time. I didn't really know. I kind of felt I had to clear my head, and I was, ex- I was in a really privileged position to be extremely confident that I could do virtual CFO work. I had um, just, you know, through networking and stuff, a lot of people, or a few people I'd occasionally would say, Um, you're doing virtual CFO work, aren't you? So I had heard that enough times that I felt like um, I would be able to get work. So uh, that, you know, looking back, that was a really privileged position to be. It's not jumping entirely off a cliff. I certainly did leave the safety net of a a great um, career, though. I'd been CFO for about 10 years, so I had a really good, good security, good Um, salary, all of that stuff, but I just, part of my DNA was eventually to to do my own thing.
0: Was it a tough choice though?
1: Um, No. What's interesting is none of my choices have felt tough. Um, The hardest decision for me is actually to stay doing what I'm doing. That's where I find the biggest struggle, when I start to feel the the pains or, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it is 24 seven and you have highs and lows. And if you have too many lows in a row, um, then I'm one to ask, uh, what's this trying to tell me? Is this supposed to be a shift? Am I supposed to do something different?
0: Um, but, but isn't it important though we manage those? So let yes. me give you an example. So the, <laughs> the people that know me know I apply the 80, 20 rule to everything in my life. If, if you and I are friends and we're happy with each other 80% of the time, we have a great friendship. Okay. Uh, yep. Take that across yep. your work, take yep. it across your marriage, your relationship yep. with your kids. I really believe that. Yep. Cause I don't think hundred percent exists, yep. but I find when I share that with people, they'll say to me, well, I think it's 80, 20 the other way in my situation right now. And I'll, I'll say, I go, hang on. Is it, is it 80 to the negative just this day or this week? Cause you've got to look at it in its totality. Right. Absolutely. So would you, is there any advice you'd give to an entrepreneur who may just be having a bad, Month, a bad quarter, like a what, and to not give up and to say, hey, hang on. Yes. It, it may get better. And and let's be honest, sometimes it may not. That's, Absolutely. that's the reality as entrepreneurs that we're dealing with, right?
1: Absolutely. And I work, uh, I've seen a lot of um, situations that I felt they let it go on too long. It's like, what's it going to take? And, and as that CFO, I feel like I'm on the raft with you if I'm working with you. So I'm not jumping off. If you want to be on that uh, ship, I'm not bailing ship with you we're we're here um and i've seen lots of planes like flying right into a mountain um but for myself um i'm pretty i've become very self-aware and i think that's probably what i would encourage people to do is become aware of your own pattern i know i have a cycle so my inspirations have a cycle i don't know what the Mm -hmm. cadence of it is but i i get ideas um And then I have a feeling to whether that's gonna work and I I don't make a decision just based on that. I let enough time go by to see that I still feel the same way about that. And the same thing on the downside. So um, I am one to, probably because of the role, like uh, CFO and and tech and accounting uh, requires a really thick stomach. So um, I can deal with a lot of shock and a lot of um, bad decisions in the moment, but I have a delayed reaction. So in, intellectually, I um, I can navigate through things, but then it could be a week, it could be a couple weeks later, where I'm feeling the low of that, I'm feeling the fallout of that. And um, so I have I try to be aware of that, like, oh, now I'm through the... Through, it's like cleaning a closet, and you, <laughs> halfway through it, it is a mess, but you just have you to know finish. it's going to get better. It's yeah. going to get better, and it's going to be okay. Like the decisions, are, especially around decisions, I agonize, like, agonize over certain decisions. It's, uh, uh, you know, if you decide you have to let somebody go, I feel horrible about that. It really, really bothers me. It has a long tail to it, um, but then that passes. And what I love about Lowe's is, um, intellectually what I love about lows is knowing that normal is going to feel amazing after a low
0: (laughs) it seemed like a high it it will it will right yeah so so is there is there a way like self-awareness that's a whole other we could talk for hours Uh just about that right yeah so um is there is there a method or some way that entrepreneurs can become more self-aware or is it Susan it's just a function of you know what it's takes X number of years of you doing something to understand what you're good at and what you're not so good at.
1: I think it helps if you have some form of scorecard that you're measuring against. Um, I mean, it's great to celebrate the highs that we feel and pat ourselves on the back, but I, I'm aware that we feel those over silly things. Like we just signed a second office. That feels really good. You know, when you see your logo, gosh, that feels great. Like, we're amazing, I'm killing it. Right. It's a logo. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, unless- Careful now. Unless you're the one creating the logo. <laughs> That's but like, as that's the like me it's a yeah, sheet. Fa- just yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But true, that's true actually. And even reconciling, you know, getting the, the bank account to reconcile can, can give people a real high. You have to kind of be in check with. Great to if if you get a kick out of it, wonderful. Um, but if in order to know if you if uh, especially for the lows, because let's not manage the highs, let's just enjoy them. Um, but when you're feeling the low, it could just be uh, completely uh, trivial and just go back to the basics of what uh, i'm big on forecasting so i think any business when you're starting it even if you have an idea map out what you think you could do and set those goals and if you haven't yet started the business and you have an idea um, i always encourage people like talk to 20 potential clients and get them to say yes they'd be interested in paying that and so that might be your goal for the next three months talk to three this month talk to five next month and then as time goes on, whether you're, um, just measure back against that. How did I, I said I was gonna do that, I did that. Now that's success, that's. Do do you find as
0: as entrepreneurs that we don't celebrate the highs uh, enough or long enough?
1: I think we got, we're probably polarized in that way. Um, I think a lot of the, the discussion, there's a lot of hype out there. Um, it's so surfaced it's not really uh, so I think there's a lot of rah 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 um, without substance to it and I think the real things that people are doing they are not uh, necessarily recognizing it and I think some of that might I know for myself that happens because I had the idea or we did the hard work long before the result came in and so when the work was done we didn't really celebrate the work because you don't really know if it's going to pay off and so then when the payoff comes in, well, the work was already done months ago. Let's not pat ourselves on the, the back so it's hard. Uh, I think it's a really great discipline to have. And um, I know on our team now, we're at that's, like culture is becoming really critically important and roles and responsibilities, and, and I'm realizing in order to take those moments, I, I need to make sure I've got people looking out to make sure that we do take those celebrations
0: because uh, it's important, yeah. Do, do you struggle to work... Um work on the business and not just in the business?
1: uh, Yes. Um, because I'm a service provider, I do have to do both. So I do have to serve clients. Um, I definitely work on, um, I, I, I struggle with, I'm aware of it, acutely aware of it. And I continuously am recalibrating my calendar to try to balance that out. Um, and it's, it's a bit of, um, It's serving my clients. It's uh, building the business itself. So I'm the person typically that's meeting with um, potential clients for that first Mm -hmm. conversation. Um, So that's not working on the business either. That's working in, so that's a role I I wear. Um, And then there is the structure of the business and and building it out and working with my business partner. So um, like both businesses, I have a 50-50 business partner. Um, I handle more of the sales, marketing, Idea generation. Um, he handles more of the operations. Uh, we make all the decisions. That's a great one-two punch, though. It is. Because it, there's yeah. nothing
0: worse than two entrepreneurs of the same skill set. That just does. It doesn't end well.
1: Exactly. And we're both accountants, so somebody looking from the outside in might have thought we were two of the same, but we right. aren't, and um, and we are aware of that. And I knew that early. On like when I had the idea for Giveoply, I I knew I didn't want to do it alone, and I I but the, actually I, I guess one of probably the best business decision I've ever made was uh, that was uh, deciding not to do it alone, and to pick the right business partner.
0: Nice. How, how do you balance the time between the two businesses?
1: Oh, how do I? I don't. Let's just okay. say, or I, or am I Describe succeeding that? at that? I okay. I'm not. Um, it happens in flavors um giveopoly is is you know i have to just say the word neglected i think um i have to be real about that because um as number crunch is the one that is funding giveopoly essentially it is that, that collaboration and in order to grow giveopoly it requires investment. It's not an investable business model, um, and this is what a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize, is whether their business models is uh, investable or not. I could find people, if I really did a roadshow. I could probably find people that would chip in money, but I have to feel good about taking that money on and making it make sense. And there's a certain threshold that we need to get that business to before it gets to that stage, and then it will be there. But I've still got a, a runway. I really think that it needs to be across Canada, um, before I would uh, do a fundraise effort to um, blast the awareness of it. And I, I think the strategy of slowly building um, through online, because the interesting thing about Givopoly is um, right now, half of our customers are located in Ottawa for our Ottawa. Um, website, but um, half of the customers are all over the world. We've got uh, 83 different countries where people are connected to somebody in Ottawa and they want to send them a birthday gift or a sympathy gift or or what have you. So there's an argument, to me there's an argument that we can just focus on the online uh, discovery so that people outside the region can find us and that will uh, be enough to enable us to eventually get across the country and then we can do uh, that. But it's slow because I am not willing to spend anything to do it. I'm uh, my, not just me. I, I'm, I feel a little bit bad for saying I because um, there's a lot of what I'm saying that is absolutely a we. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so it's uh, tricky that way. Um, every now and then when I look at the like, oh boy, I thought this was still happening and it's not. And uh, just actually a week ago found out our landing page uh, was no longer functioning. Uh, I don't know if that was that day or if it had been a week wow. or yeah. yeah. So it's because the heartbeat these, of that business. that's right. it, yeah. sort of it is. Yeah. Um, we have our SEO optimized at each of the cities level. Okay. Um, so the the sorting is if you know our um, GiveOpoly, you may just search on GiveOpoly and you would find that. But there's not actually a lot of. Uh, marketing engine around that at this stage. Once it's national, that will be the, the source. Mm-hmm. But um, because our business, so it's it's gift delivery, but it's local gift delivery. So if you stumble upon the Ottawa gift delivery website and you're looking for a gift to send to somebody in Halifax, it's it's not so relevant to you.
0: So, you know, you're, you run two businesses, you've mm-hmm. got a family. What advice would you give to anyone listening out there thinking, oh, you know, I don't have the time? I, I, the, the, let's just say, for example, they're thinking of starting uh, this, a side hustle. Um, is, there, is there any one or two tricks or tips that you do to manage your time well to run these two businesses, to 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 you know to spend time with your family?
1: Well, interesting. So I think if someone actually thought that they didn't have time to do the side hustle, then they probably don't, uh, because I think when you have the passion for it, it overrides your time. You make the time. Um, and, and that's what I've, I do. I just come constantly calibrating. There are certain things in my life that are not happening. I don't see friends as much as I like to. There's um, some personal um, sacrifice on that side of things. Um, but... Um, um, and I would, to anybody that thinks that owning a business is going to be less time. Uh, <laughs> Let's that's settle that me. argument yeah. right now. Exactly. We're, we're
0: both going to vote on that That's one. right. Right, right, right. Um,
1: I like to, I heard somebody once say that it's great freedom. Like you get to choose whatever 80 hours you're going to work that <laughs> week. And I, that's that's fair. I yeah. work all the time. And I, I hope my kids don't. Um, go with that as their legacy of me working all the time. I'm also at every, almost every hockey game. I'm, right. like I'm very, you know, yeah, present. You're, you're there. Yeah, I am.
0: Well, when I get asked that question of, I don't have the time, my, my knee jerk, I always default to, to TV because mm-hmm. it's oh, pre- yeah. it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. watch any shows in particular? Oh, yeah, yeah I binge watch. Yeah. And they, they, don't, they won't understand yeah. where I'm going with it. Yes. But, and then they'll catch themselves. Well, I don't yeah. binge watch that much because <laughs> they know where I'm going with it. And, you know, they're spending 10, 15, 20 hours a week watching a couple hours of TV a night. Okay, well, that's... That's a lot of time. Because I
1: don't. I lack that. That's why I can't really talk about sports. I can't really talk about current events that, you know, what shows people are watching because I'm missing those. Right. Uh, Netflix every now and then is an exception. And I'll I'll, uh, indulge like everybody else. But not a lot of time for that.
0: But I find it interesting because typically most... I don't think I've ever tried that on someone where they where I couldn't find them at least 10 hours a week. I bet. At you. least. I bet. Yeah.
1: And you can do a lot in a business you in can. 10 hours a week. We spend a lot of time talking about what we're going to do right. without doing right, it. Just right. stop talking Agreed. and Agreed. get it done. <laughs>
0: nice. That's a, that's a good place to almost wrap up here. I, I like that. Um, so before we let you go, uh, work in the community. I'm always fascinated by uh, entrepreneurs as busy as we are Uh for the most part we're very uh, we're, we're good givers. So can you tell us a bit about what you do?
1: Absolutely. Um, so right now I'm on the board of Invest Ottawa. I'm the chair of their Audit and Finance Committee and um, I've been with the organization for three years. Um, I very much enjoy it. It was, um, I got tapped on the shoulder by uh, the former chair, uh, Brian Horalovich over at Welsh. Um, and I really appreciate that because um, there's not as many women on uh, boards. On nonprofit boards, the representation's not too bad, but in the business community as a whole, um, it's a great opportunity for me to be able to um, kind of lean in. And I, I wear different, I, wear, I come from an entrepreneur's perspective, from a smaller business perspective, and from a female perspective. Um, and I'm happy to be at the table with some great um, other business people that are there, Mm -hmm. uh, building out that offering and and getting a sense of what the community needs um, from a a business uh, startup growth uh, expansion uh, standpoint. Um, I'm also um, an advisor with a little group called Ambitious, um, and it's uh, focused on helping um, teenage girls get... Uh, an awareness of entrepreneurship and uh, be bold and get out there and is, get. Is early. this an Ottawa initiative? It or is this an is, Ottawa oh, very, initiative never started by Fantastic. Catherine Cornfield. Yeah, and really? it's ambitious. Is spelled A M B I S H E O U S. So love the it. she is yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, and I've been involved. Um, with, uh, Algonquin on a couple of advisory boards as well. So I am a, you know, when people ask me, I'm, uh, default Care- to yes. Careful no. I know. <laughs> I, know I know. <laughs> uh, I know. I know. And it's interesting. I, I keep an open mind about everything. And, and so far things flow. Um, occasionally I have to go on a, a no diet. I have yeah. to, um, and I'll, I tend to try to do that in blocks of like, okay, this, the rest of this month, they have to be I know, um, yeah. but I'm always open to uh, to meet people. Um, I'm a big uh, fan of small business. I think it runs the heart of communities. Um, the heart, of Me this, too. you know, there's a hundred thousand businesses started every year. Failure rates are are not so great. Um, I'd love to see those improve, and um, and I'm just interested in understanding more about businesses and leaning in where I can. Um, So that tends to be the the area that I come from on that.
0: Very nice. Mm -hmm. Where can our listeners find out more about the the two companies?
1: Um, So giveopoly.com is where you can find the landing page, and hopefully it's working today. (laughs) And uh, go to each of our cities where you can find products from uh, locally owned businesses in those cities. Uh, And if you go to numbercrunch.ca, you can find uh, Number Crunch. Um, we are on Twitter at we crunch, and Giveopoly is on Twitter, Facebook, um, so social media. I'll probably just connect with me on LinkedIn, and I'd be happy to uh, chat.
0: Great. Thanks for your time, Susan. really Thank appreciate it. Thank you so
1: much. It was a pleasure.